0: So uh, did you see the US-Sweden game?
1: I fell asleep, I'll admit, but yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was was a bit late. It's a bit late for a school night.
0: Yeah, it was a great game. Oh my God, unbelievable. What a penalty shootout. But um, afterwards, as you do, I was so hyped up on Adrenaline that I was just Googling Sweden and reading about Sweden. And um, I read about this Swedish performance art project, uh, which sounds awesome. Basically, um, the artists are paying somebody to do nothing. They're taking applications um, for people who will receive a salary of about two thousand four hundred US dollars per month, plus annual wage increases, vacation time off, and a pension for retirement, uh, to do nothing. They have to go to a train station at a certain time every day, as any commuter would, and they have to go to a place and and clock in, um, and then they also have to clock out, but in between they don't do anything. They do no work. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing
1: at all. all.
0: Yeah. And so it's like commentary on the laboriousness of the working world. If you were paid $2,400 a month to do nothing all day, what would you do all day?
1: If I'm not allowed to do anything, I can't do anything.
0: Well, I think you can do whatever you want. You just don't have to do anything for work. And I don't think that you can make money from work. I just play Candy Crush. You play Candy Crush?
1: Yeah, for eight hours. (laughs)
0: You'd be the first person ever to clock Candy Crush. What did you yeah. what would you do? I'd probably cook.
1: Might watch Friends mm. Again. <laughs> Great show. Yeah, see there's plenty I could do. Uh, can you send me the link to <laughs> Thank- this
0: <laughs> I can. I will send you an application form as well. I
1: think I would be very good at doing nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to the show, Kilda, this is News Boy, I'm Emil,
1: And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. All Black legend Jeff Wilson joins us to unpack this year's Rugby World Cup squad.
0: Also, the cost of living crisis has touched pretty much every product you can think of. Except, it seems, illicit drugs. Hmm. We check in with an expert as to why.
1: Later this year, Aotearoa will elect its bird of the century. But on the list of contenders are a few names you might not recognise. So, we'll
0: explain why. And we always aim to help here on Newsable, but Emma reckons she's found the most unhelpful list ever written. Ways to have fun without breaking the bank.
1: We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable.
2: Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.
0: I know we're in the midst of FIFA fever, but we are also now just 33 days out. From the Rugby World Cup 2023. And Ian Foster has named his final All Blacks squad.
1: Joining us now to unpack everything is All Black royalty, Jeff Wilson. Kia ora, Jeff. Welcome to Newsable.
3: Kia ora, I'm not sure about royalty. Just hanging in there as best I can, (laughs) doing the job we can. But I tell you what, it's been a long wait. I I don't know how many sides I've picked in 2023. From the moment Super Rugby started, every week you sort of throw up another number, you know, and, and we're finally there, we've arrived. And look, ultimately, it's ended up being reasonably predictable, right? Um, mm. A lot of the familiar faces, uh, you know, we, we tried to find room for a couple of extras, a couple of different names, but look, I think everyone that's made the squad thoroughly deserves the opportunity to get on the plane.
1: Is this a World Cup winning squad, though?
3: Well, I'm not going to tell you that it's going to win the World Cup, but it's certainly good enough. And that, that's the most important thing, is we know we're going with a side that could not just compete, but is going to go over there and is good enough on its day to beat anyone. And what we've started to see in 2023 is the side that can do it on back-to-back weeks in multiple mm. games.
0: Jeff, if you take off your patriotism hat and put on your rugby analyst hat, brutal and cool and surgical, what do you consider to be our strengths and our weaknesses heading into this tournament? I,
3: I think that the most important thing that's happened is what we've seen up front and our ability uh, in our tight 5 at scrum time and in the darker arts of the game them all. What we've seen is some youth Um, uh, almost a changing of the guard in in, uh, Ethan DeGroote and Tyrell Lomax. Uh, They've brought a a whole different intensity to what we do up front. Look, their challenges, there's no doubt. You need to stay healthy. You need an element of good luck. You want, I suppose, some good fortune in regards to some refereeing and TMOs and decisions that happens throughout the course of the competition and and the tournament. But I think you can say when we look at this group with his experience, it'll be in their own hands because they'll have the ability to adapt and it's just a matter of whether or not they can do it consistently in the big games.
1: Geoff, I want to take you back to a certain period of time. It's 1993. Meatloaf was top of the charts. I was about three weeks old. Emile had just turned two. And a fresh-faced, golden-haired 19-year-old Jeff Wilson was waiting to hear if he'd made the All Black squad to tour Britain. What was it like hearing your name called?
3: In those days, there was no internet. There was no... It was a case where they wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up, so they sort of told your team. And yes, Meat Life was number one, and <laughs> rightfully so, as well. I <laughs> found out the night before. Had to do the whole collect call home, the old 010. <laughs> oh one oh. Oh, bless. Will you take the charges? You know,
2: did it they? About, did they? <laughs>
3: yeah, and they did. Funnily it's enough, it, it was it was almost like 10, 11 o'clock at night that I found out that I was in the side. No one's open. There's no media open at that time. There's no posting mm-hmm. on, on social media. It mm-hmm. was a matter of they would name the squad. And I was so naive. Here's how naive I was to who was in the team. I didn't realise that, and I work with him a lot now, I didn't even realise that it was Sir John Kerwin's jersey that I'd taken. Yeah, I showed yeah. up to the I showed up to the first training and I asked, where's J.K.? And uh, <laughs> no, no, he's not in the team. Oh, dear. Not a great start, to be fair. Um, but look, it's remarkable. I, I think ultimately when you, you know you're in a squad that's going, And it's a whole different mindset. You know, for for half of this team, I think Ian Foster said, half of this team haven't been to a Rugby World Cup. The good thing for us is the other half
4: have.
1: Thank you so much for your time, Geoff Wilson, Sky Rugby commentator and presenter of The Breakdown. Hey, we're still going to talk about the most crucial election of this year. Of course, I'm talking about October's Bird of the Century competition. But while you're here, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It'll help other people find us and it'll mean you get fresh episodes delivered right to your phone. No wishes, no hassle. We've heard a lot over the past few months about the soaring cost of pretty much everything, but it turns out there's one genre of products that's bucking the trend. I'm talking, of course, about illicit drugs.
0: Uh, Believe it or not, according to Massey University's Drug Trends Survey, the price of both cannabis and methamphetamine has actually dropped over the past five years.
1: Massey's Chris Wilkins is the team leader of this project and he's here to chat to us a bit more about it. Kia ora, Chris. Welcome to the pod.
4: Kia ora. Yeah, nice to be here.
1: So is there increased supply of meth and cannabis at play here or simply is it fewer people trying to get their hands on it?
4: We have two different stories here because cannabis and meth are very different markets, um, particularly mm. in the New Zealand context where we almost grow all our cannabis locally, whereas methamphetamine increasingly is largely imported from overseas, but there is some local production. in in the case of cannabis, I mean probably not a lot has changed in terms of levels of cultivation and how much has been cultivated. But our hypothesis for the slight decline in price is that, slightly less enforcement pressure. So, you know, you're probably aware that we've now got a medicinal cannabis scheme. Uh, the government changed the Misuse of Drugs Act, so people in possession of small amounts don't ordinarily get arrested. And also there's been this large-scale debate about what we should do with cannabis, given the legalisation of cannabis in the US, Canada, and most likely Germany next. So with meth, it's a slightly different story that there's been this massive increase in synthetic amphetamines uh, production. All through the Asian region, but also in the Americas and the Middle East as well.
0: Chris, you talk about how you know cannabis is is maybe an area where law enforcement is, is pulled back in New Zealand a, a little bit. You would think that at least some of those resources of law enforcement would go into cracking down on meth. And indeed, I think we we, we saw a massive meth drug bust just a couple of months ago. Yet this seems to have not really had much effect on supply and in price.
4: For, for cannabis, I mean, and this is the quite interesting thing about if you're interested also in cannabis law reform, is a lot of the cannabis enforcement, that low-level enforcement, you know, is pretty convenient kind of thing. So they'd arrest you for something else or they'd stop your car, they'd search it and they'd find a little bit of cannabis. So it wasn't really highly directed drug enforcement. The fact that they don't do that so much anymore really doesn't um, free up much resources to do anything else you know, to focus more on meth.
1: And then what more, or what should we be doing in the meth space? You mentioned we've got this massive supply of it. Prices are going down. It doesn't seem like we've got a handle on it.
4: The first thing we want to do is prioritise what do we want to focus on? And it seems to me pretty clear that it's going to be methamphetamine, and that's pretty Mm -hmm. much what all the agencies have done. So I guess I would be saying, you know, rebalance up the money you spend, because at the moment, you know, 80% or more is spent on supply reduction, whereas all the budget you add, you should add to the other side, demand reduction, and then hope that over time you're able to communicate the risk and you're able to get people with problems away from supply and into drug treatment.
0: Chris Wilkins from Mass University, thanks very much for your time today. Really appreciate it.
4: No problem. Thanks.
0: We've got a well, an interesting, I suppose, list of uh, super cheap ways to have fun, which we will read out a bit later. But naturally, we want to know your tips, super cheap ways to have fun. Get in touch with us. You can find us on Insta or TikTok. Just search up Newsable NZ. And if you have a mighty list that won't fit on the screen, you can send us an email, newsable at stuff.co.nz.
1: Kia ora, and welcome to The Big Stuff Quiz. I'm your host, Imogen Wells, alongside my assistant, the wonderful...
3: Chris Hello, everyone.
1: Each week, we'll release a new episode to test your wits with two rounds of 10 questions one pot luck round and another that's very loosely themed.
3: A bit tangential, even.
1: Such a good word. If you think you're up for the challenge, go and follow our show on your favourite podcast platform. The Big Stuff Quiz is out now.
3: The Big Stuff Quiz is proudly brought to you by Melbourne. Every bit different.
1: Everyone is familiar with my fondness for the kākāpō and by extension the Bird of the Year competition because it gives me an excuse to talk about how awesome those green chunky things are. And this year I'm very excited because in 2023 we aren't just selecting Bird of the Year, we're selecting Bird of the Century. Century.
0: Sounds good, doesn't it? It's got gravitas. Yeah, Forest and Bird, which uh, runs the competition, is celebrating its centenary this year and thought electing a bird of the century would be a fitting way to market. But there are some unusual candidates in this particular competition. Here to explain why is Forest and Bird's Chief Executive, Nicola Toki. You do realise that this is the best way to stoke a full-on civil war in Aotearoa, <laughs> New Zealand.
2: Uh, I'm surprised you've even invited me onto, onto the show, given your fondness. Uh, for the big green budgies, because we actually booted them out of the competition last year for just being too popular.
1: It's actually why I got you <laughs> here, Jane Nicola. New yeah.
0: Looking through the list of candidates, obviously the classics there, um, but people might also notice some unfamiliar names: there, the uh, Ma Tui Tui, the Tutu Kiwi, the Huya, the Pio Pio, the Fairco. Can you explain why those names might not be familiar? to some people.
2: Yeah, so there are 75 birds that people can vote for in the, you know the most important election of the year in our view. Mm-hmm. But we've added mm-hmm. five that have been classified as extinct but within the last 100 years. At the moment 82% of all New Zealand's bird species are threatened with extinction. And so we want the public who love our competition to both be motivated and inspired and have a few laughs, as they always do, but we want to be clear about what we're dealing with here in terms of what's at stake. So that's why they've been added to the list. And also we don't want them to be forgotten.
1: Because conservation is the entire undertone behind Bird of the Year, right? Like you even just said, it's a fun, silly competition, giggle, 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 but actually we do have a serious problem
2: we have a major problem i mean and part of the problem is this so uh we're really good at telling good news stories in new zealand about our bird fauna right and we we, you get to the end of any tv news weekend story and there'll be some lovely group releasing a kiwi and we all think that's great but what we don't get is that in areas for example where there's no pest control in new zealand 19 out of 20 uh north island brown kiwi chicks don't survive to one year of age And that is a fast track to extinction. So if you think about the way we um, value nature in New Zealand, we value these birds, we'd pay about $29 per year to protect threatened birds in New Zealand, which is nearly all of them. That's roughly what IRD wanted to spend on doing up their Wellington office this month. Mm -hmm. So I think we're out of whack with the stuff that we value deep in our hearts and that we really think is worth protecting and then what we chuck at it in terms of looking after it. The
1: competition is in October. Are you keen to come out, plant your flag in the ground and endorse any bird at this early stage? I
2: mean, it's early, right? It's real early. I'm not ready. Not like top five.
0: Typical chief executive response there, (laughs) you know. We'll get, a, we'll get a straight answer from you uh, later on in the campaign, I'm sure.
2: I mean, it's like, this is why I only have one child, because <laughs> I can't pick a favourite. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nicola Toki from Forest and Bird, thanks very much for your time and your work on this campaign.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm Tova O'Brien and this week on the Tova podcast from Stuff, an interview with Prime Minister Christopher Luxon. We met at Central District's field days to talk tax, police pay, Ruby Tui and his political value judgments. Oh, and we heard his verdict on the conversation too. Not that he meant us to. All that plus the winners and losers of the week with Andrea Vance, Luke Malpass at the Labour Party Caucus Retreat, and your feedback. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Kakite.
1: Anytime I see an article or a piece of content that promises to help me save money, you know I'm going to click on it in this cost of living crisis. But the other day, I clicked on an article from the National Public Radio in the States, NPR, titled, 10 ways to have fun without breaking the bank. I was excited. I was intrigued. Mm. It had some of the strangest and dare I say worst suggestions I've ever come across.
0: <laughs> it's a great teaser. There's a there's an, you're going to have to walk me through the Oh, one do not
1: by one worry. I have uh-huh. them right here. I'll take you through them all. Not all of them were bad. And so that's why I'm going to read out all 10. Maybe it'll help mm-hmm. someone. Okay. Number 1. Check your local paper or try searching events near me on Google and see if there's any free ones or cheap ones.
0: Sure. It's number one. Number two.
1: That was number one. Number two, go to the park. Just go to
0: the park. Go to the park?
1: Number two, yep. Go to the
0: park. Why you say have fun without breaking the bank? Go to the park. I I mean, yeah. Just go to the park,
1: yeah. Number three, go on a penny date. Penny date. And then it goes into detail. You take a coin, assign left and right. To either side of the coin, so heads are left, tails are right. Uh And you go to a part of town you're not familiar with, (laughs) and then you flip a coin at every intersection (laughs) and quote, go on an adventure. It gives me the ick. It feels like someone's trying to be too cool or too cute. Number four, try a food challenge. Now, the suggestion here was to buy a bunch of different chippies from different brands, but same flavour. Now, you know how I feel about chip prices, and that certainly will break the bank in this New Zealand cost of living crisis. So I do not Mm -hmm. recommend trying to buy loads of chippies and doing a food challenge. Number five, host an art night at home. Okay. Not mad about that one.
0: Wait, so like an art night is in everybody comes around and they paint something or draw something?
1: Yeah, just grab some craft, like cheap crafts. Are you good at
0: art? I feel like you'd be terrible. good at Terrible. In really? year
1: 10, the art teacher held up one of my pieces of art and laughed at it.
0: Really? Same. In front they of to the me class. As well. In front of the class. All right, so that was number five. That was five. number five. Yep.
1: Number six is one of the ones where I was like, I'm sorry, what did I just read? Number six, use your imagination. That's number six. Number six is Num-
0: use your imagination. Number six
1: is use your imagination. <laughs> Just use that it. Is
0: so patronizing. Just
1: use your imagination, Emil, for a bit of for, for, for to, to not break the bank this weekend, you and you and Jim, just use your imagination. Number 7, throw a movie marathon. Fine. Yeah. Number okay. 8, go to a museum. Love that. Don't do it enough, need to do it more often. Thank you See, this list is somewhat somewhat helpful. <laughs> Number 9, another doozy. Make up a game. Just make one up. Just make up a game. <laughs> just, just make game. it make up a- just make a game up. Number ten also baffles me. Uh, house swap with a friend. Whoa! They that say this one. Quickly. Yeah, they say this one's a low cost alternative to taking a full fledged vacation. Gives me Mad Marie Antoinette vibes.
0: Marie Antoinette. Vibes.
1: <laughs> Number six telling me to use my imagination is the 2023 version of Let the Meat Cake. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
4: Well,
1: anyway, agree. of course, we want your ways to have fun without breaking the bank. Uh, we'll have something up on the old Instagram, but you can also email us newsable at stuff.co.nz. That's newsable for today, though. I'm Imogen Wells.
0: And I'm Emile Donovan. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll catch you tomorrow. Use your imagination.
2: If you like this podcast, please support our work visit stuff.co.nz slash support.